Welcome to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Director of the University of Washington's Men's Health Center and Associate Professor of Urology at the UW, featuring important topics dealing with men's health, including prostate cancer and erectile dysfunction. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back to our special series on KZOK, Seattle's classic rock station, and Sports Radio 950 KJR. It's another edition of Men's Health Monthly, featuring Dr. Tom Walsh. It's a look at many important issues that affect men specifically, including prostate cancer as well as sexual problems and mental health problems. We will start the show as we do every month with the anonymous inbox, and we have a couple of questions. The first question comes from John in Muckleteo, and he says, are all physicians alike when it comes to physicals? Should I ask my doctor to perform certain tests, or are they routine based on age? Hmm, that's a tough question. So I there's a few parts to that. I think not all physicians are necessarily alike in physicals. And not all physicians might be alike in terms of what screening tests they may recommend. However, there are specific guidelines that help guide all doctors in what screening tests should be offered. And I'll give you an example that it is currently a U.S. Preventive Task Force recommendation that all doctors should suggest colon cancer screening to their patients after age 50, unless they have known higher risk. Mm-hmm. So that's a perfect example. Right. That's unequivocal. Everyone should be offering that. And if your doctor's not talking to you about it, you should probably ask why. I, I might also add that I had a physical today uh, because it is Movember. Very good. And on the start of Movember, yeah. I shaved off my beard and I'm on my way to an, a nice mustache. And for all of you who are not in the studio, I can tell you it's quite glorious. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But anyway, I digress. And I want to add, I too had a physical this week. And so you you should, you, right. the, the audience should do it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, another question, is it a good idea to get a DNA check at 23andMe? Is it beneficial health? Hmm. Um, I don't know that I'm the one to answer that question. Currently, but you're the, yeah, only one yeah, the only one here. I'm the only one here, so I will answer it. I want to be clear that I don't see, and I don't think anyone sees 23andMe as having a clear role in the medical arena today. So 23andMe, as I understand it, screens for certain types of disease that you could be a carrier of. Right. Meaning that they could run in your family. Maybe you could pass something on in the next generation. I, you know, I am unaware of specific data that comes out of 23andMe or those types of carrier screens that would clearly impact that is has been related to somebody's health of the future. Now, I, I think that's on the horizon. The idea of medical care that is very specifically tailored to you based upon your DNA, I think is very real. But as just a screening test, I don't think so. I don't think we're there yet. If you have a question for Dr. Walsh, please send an email to Men's Health Monthly at iHeartMedia.com. Tonight, we're going to take a deep dive into erectile dysfunction, what it is, who gets it, and what are the solutions. And we're going to talk about a number of things related to that. Dr. Walsh, let's let's go back to Erectile Dysfunction 101. Did, is that a class you took in college, Neil? Erectile Dysfunction 101, yes. Let's talk about the basics of erectile dysfunction. Yeah. One of the reasons that I wanted us to talk about it this 
particular topic is that it's the most common, one of the most common questions I get from my patients when they when they see me for something like ED, mm-hmm. which is, Doc, why did this happen to me? What did I do wrong? Or, what you know, what's broken? And I always start off with everyone by saying, hey, if you live long enough, anybody who lives long enough will experience ED at some point because getting an erection is hydraulics, pure and simple. It's if you can imagine some hydraulic apparatus, a dump truck, a front end loader, it is about fluid, in our case, blood pushing into an enclosed space. And that's what causes an erection. And as we get older, it's unavoidable. Our hydraulic system just wasn't designed to last into our seventh, eighth, ninth decades. So at some point, it's, it is going to happen. I, you know, I think it's inevitable for most everyone. Now, when it happens to you is, you know, there, I always say there's what you are born with that you can't change, your genetics, and we have certain genetic predispositions. And then there is the environment. It's what you do to your body, how you treat your body. And we know that people who have either genetics or environmental conditions that lead them to have more vascular disease, blood vessel disease, or have things like diabetes or other potential insults to their erectile apparatus, like radiation to the pelvis for the treatment of cancer or surgery in the pelvis for the treatment of cancer. These are things that could lead somebody to have ED much earlier in life. But even if none of those things happen, our hydraulic systems for erection simply weren't designed to last. And is it a slow progression? For most, it is. Uh, For most, it is. If we just take an average guy, my average patient, who begins to notice that sometimes in his late 40s, early 50s, uh, he begins to notice that he intermittently simply can't obtain the erection that he used to. Or maintain the erection. Or, Or maintain it. That's exactly right. That usually precipitates a question to a primary care doctor, and sometimes a trial of something like Viagra or the like, one of the branded pills to help erections. What about the embarrassment factor? I think it's really tough uh, for patients. And I think it's tough for those who are in a long-term established relationship because they don't want to disappoint their partner. But I think it's even more difficult for those men who want to establish a relationship. It's terribly embarrassing to uh, engage in a relationship when you can't predict how you're going to perform. Mm. Saying that to a doctor, saying that to anyone is... It's challenging. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's sometimes hard to find the words to describe it because there's a lot of frustration. And I don't always think that men or their partners know how to describe what they're experiencing. Psychological factors, what are they? I think one of the first factors that patients experience is a, is a feeling of guilt. Uh, I think they feel guilty that they can't perform. I think they're afraid that their partner thinks they are no longer attracted to them. Mm. And I think this creates sort of a negative feedback loop. They project this, you know, they just, uh, it's avoidance. Partner interprets as he's not attracted to me anymore, and it continues to accelerate. And I think it can be, it can be dangerous unless you bring it out into the open and you talk about it and you're honest and you're open. And I think the couples, regardless of the makeup of the couple, those that are open and honest about what they're experiencing fare this disease the best. What about men who bypass the physician and go to the Internet and put in their profile and get some mail-order Viagra and, and, and try to do it that way? Well, listen, I, uh, number one, I understand why men do that. Uh, there's a convenience factor 
And I think medical care, straightforward medical care in the U.S. needs to become easier. But aside from that, I think there is some jeopardy to avoiding your doctor when you're facing this. And the reason for that is that if I'm telling you that you have a disease, a vascular disease, that's manifesting as this, erectile dysfunction, well, what do you think the odds are that there's some other more significant vascular disease somewhere else in your body that needs a little interrogation, a little behavioral modification, a little bit of medicine for something else? Uh, Those things are highly probable. Talking to your doctor openly and honestly about ED is really important, especially if you don't always see a doctor and you're not tuned up all the time. You're not keyed in to your best health, your best self. One of the things that I have found helpful is a website called ED Cure, where people can find out about erectile dysfunction in the privacy of their own home without having to do anything. And that's the first step. I think that's a great source. Uh, ED Cure is a great source of information for men. And I think there's even opportunities to sort of uh, to fill out a questionnaire and kind of understand how bad is it for you. Another great internet source is sexhealthmatters.org, sexhealthmatters.org. You know, Neil, what I would say about a new diagnosis of ED, a new experience of ED, I look at it as the check engine light. When your check engine light goes Uh on, um, well, it's time to check the engine, right? (laughs) I mean, you can just, you can run down to your, you know, Jiffy Mart and, you know, pour in a quart of oil, but shoot, something's going to go wrong at some point. So don't ignore the check engine light. And when people try the the pills, oftentimes there's limited success with that. This is difficult, right? Because we've all, who's seen the, we've all seen the ads for these pills. And make no mistake, these are great pills. These are really specific medications. And great advertising. And they, yeah. The they, promotion and, and, makes it sound like it's the end all be and, all. And what I would tell you is they work at least half the time. They really do. In the right man, in the right circumstance, they work at least half the time. But what does that imply? That implies that the other half of the time, they may not work. Unpredictable. It can be unpredictable. And and that's the other challenge. So even if the pills work for you, they may not work the same way every time. Now, I think treatment with a pill, something that you put in your mouth and swallow with a glass of water, that's great, right? It's one of the cornerstones of modern medicine. And I encourage everyone to be open with their doctor and get a prescription for these medications but use them appropriately and still have an open dialogue with your partner that they, while they really do, these are very specific, very targeted, very safe and very effective drugs, they're not going to work the same way every time and they're not going to work every time. Is there a tolerance to this medication? You know, I would say there is not really a tolerance to these medications, but the reasons behind which we Mm. are taking the medicines, those things don't stop progressing. Typically, we don't see the effects of aging on our cardiovascular system go in reverse. And so the older we get, the more vascular disease we have, the less effective the medications are. So taking it up a step, there's also injections, which... Well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about how do these medications work because there's some common principles that'll help everyone understand what treatments they're embarking on. How do the medications work? So pills work by augmenting the nerve signals 
that are emanating from your brain through your spinal cord to your blood flow apparatus to the penis. And they augment those signals so that when you are aroused, you get more blood flow, more hydraulic pressure in the penis than you might have otherwise. That can work as long as your blood vessels are capable of responding. When they're not, there are more powerful drugs. And that's what you alluded to, Neil, is the injectable drugs. These drugs are like injecting a Viagra-like medication directly into the penis. So rather than having to put it in your stomach, wait for it to dissolve, get to where it needs to work, and perhaps experience a side effect, which we haven't even talked about side effects, you've got this drug that causes the hydraulics to engage working right where it needs to, right in the penis itself. And that's how the injections work. Not a pleasurable experience for a lot of men. Well, you know, I, I always say it is it is all relative. There are many men out there that, you know, if, if it could be guaranteed that an injection into the side of the penis would work to deliver them the erection that they wanted every time, I think you'd, you, and we know, we find a lot of people who are willing to engage in that. I think there are a few challenges with it. But if it works for you and you like it, perfect. Use it. One of the challenges, though, is that sometimes it's just not strong enough. So sometimes you go through all that, you drop your medicine, you, you sort of take the time out, you say, hold on, I'll be back. You get your medicine ready, you do the injection, and it still doesn't quite work the way you want. Can the medication be adjusted? It can, and it should be. And that's why it's really important if you're going to use those medications to use them with a professional who knows how to use them, who's experienced in using them and can guide you in how to change the dose. Because certainly you can escalate the dose as needed. At some point, if a little bit doesn't work, sometimes a lot isn't going to do any better. You mentioned earlier side effects. What are the side effects from, from the pills and from the injections? First of all, not everyone has side effects to pills. But remember, these are drugs that are designed to enhance blood flow. So you could imagine that they may enhance blood flow other places in your body. They, they are intended to be specific for the erection, but sometimes they're not. And so they can cause really severe flushing, headache, and muscle aches are the most common things. For some, they can also cause changes in your vision. And I want to point out these are side effects. They're usually not dangerous, but they can be real mood killers when you experience them. Let's finish talking about injections. And let me tell you, you know, the, the side effects mostly, I, I find a lot of men, uh, and I don't know if this is a side effect, but there's a little bit of dread associated with it. You know, there's a little bit of, uh, I really am not looking forward to the rigmarole of doing the injection. And I think that, that emotional side effect steers them away from sexual activity. But once they get up the courage, they do the injection. Sometimes there can be just a little bit of a discomfort at the site of the injection. Sometimes the injection can cause pain in the penis, but probably the worst side effect is when the injection simply works too well and the erection lasts too long, it goes beyond normal stimulation, and that's an emergency. When you have an erection that lasts too long, beyond four hours, or becomes painful, then you got to seek emergent treatment because that's called priapism, and it could be detrimental to your sexual health. What is the treatment? It usually requires removing blood from the penis and injecting an antidote medication to counteract the injection that you gave yourself for erection. 
So it's a serious deal when we hear the ad saying, if you had an erection last it is a very, four it is hours. A, it is a very serious deal. Yeah. Please don't ignore it. Please take yourself to an urgent care, an emergency room, somewhere where someone can treat you and take it away. The, the other uh, erectile dysfunction treatment, if, if I can say treatment, is, is the pump. So we call it, a, I think you're referencing a vacuum, vacuum device. Pump. You know, the vacuum device I mean, has been around for ages, right? We've all seen uh, the Austin Powers movie, you know, the, the classic Swedish penis pump, right? These have been around yeah, for yeah, ages. Yeah. And how do they work? You know, they essentially put a vacuum chamber around the outside of the penis and create suction. And as you create that negative pressure gradient, you pull blood into the penis. That's how it works. And then you put a ring around And then you put a, and the problem is, is that if you take it off, sure enough, that blood goes straight back into your body. So you got to keep it there. Mm. And the way you keep it where you want it is you put a tight band around the base of the penis. And that can be really uncomfortable. It can cause the penis to go cold, can cause it to go numb, all the things that we don't want for our sexual activity. I've seen a number of ads about shock waves. What in the Uh, world is that? So this is a new uh, form of, and I'm gonna, you, you can't see me in the studio, I'm putting quotes around it, treatment that is new on the market. This is a treatment that hasn't been approved by the U.S. FDA, and largely the reason for that is that the data supporting its effectiveness or efficacy in treatment really isn't there. Um, this is the application of sort of a ultrasonic, uh, vibratory stimulus to the penis with the idea of somehow causing a restorative process. I think we'll see more data on this in the years ahead, but right now it's not particularly promising and it's not covered by insurance. So in our secret shopping, what we found is that most places that are using it are really marketing treatment for a cash pay price that's in the thousands and thousands of dollars. Wow. And, and that's a lot of money to pay for something that isn't getting a stamp of approval from general medical society and may not work and may not work. I'd rather see people use their money on things that we know are effective. If it seems too good to be true. You know, what I always say is if you have unlimited money and nothing to lose, I think it's a great treatment. You know, if, if you don't mind just sort of handing over some cash and saying, well, you know, if I'm one of the ones in whom it helps, great. I'm not going to feel bad. But if you have limit, more limited resources, whether that resource is money or time, then skip to, skip to something that we know is more effective. We're going to talk about the solution when we come back. going to take a short time out, come back on the other side. We're going to talk about the solution, something that isn't necessarily a treatment. It is a, it's a permanent solution to erectile dysfunction. We'll do that when we come back. Did you know that diabetes, heart disease, and prostate cancer procedures can contribute to erectile dysfunction? Many men aren't aware of this or of all the treatment options that a board-certified urologist can offer. Understand your options and learn where you can find an ED specialist in Seattle to help. Visit edcure.org to get the facts and find a urologist who can offer treatment options that work when pills and injections don't. Again, that's edcure.org. This Movember, here's to the straggly mustaches, the lopsided ones, the oddly sexy ones, the itchy, patchy, raggedy ones, the peach fuzz ones, the hey, I look good with this ones, the scruffy ones, the black, blonde, red, and gray ones, the ones grown by dad, the ones grown for dad. 
They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. And we are back. The only treatment that I'm aware of that is certain to work is the penile implant. It's been around for a long time. The best way to describe the penile implant is that it's a self-contained hydraulic unit. You know, sometimes we can use medications that do their very best to enhance our native hydraulics. But when they're simply not working, the best, most effective, and, and more guaranteed treatment is replacing the whole hydraulic unit. And that's what a penile prosthesis really is. Can you describe the prosthesis? When you mention hydraulics, I think of metal. Yeah. I think yeah. of, you know, engineering. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And all of those things. Yeah, which it's, and it's none of those things, right. right? This is a fully concealed, soft silicone cylinder that fits inside a man's natural anatomy. Those natural cylinders are connected to a pump that sits underneath the skin of the scrotum in a concealed way. And again, you mentioned pump. Yeah. Many people think of, of a great big pump. you got to wear something else. No. no. So this pump is about the size of a nickel in its diameter and sits beneath the, the skin of the scrotum. It's not visible, but if a man feels down there, he can feel the pump. So it's and, like a third testicle. Yeah, I'd say it's more subtle than that, to be mm, quite okay. honest. And then that is connected to a fluid reservoir, which sits behind the pelvic bone. When a man wants to have an erection, he simply reaches down, compresses the bulb. Each compression of the bulb delivers a certain amount of fluid to the device. It typically would take an, an average man about 60 seconds, 30 to 60 seconds to develop a full erection. He can then keep that erection for as long as he wants. So he can keep the erection hard for as long as he wants. And then when he's done having an erection, he simply hits a secondary button, which allows the fluid to return back to its reservoir. Which is in that tiny pump. It, which is in that tiny pump. If, if a guy goes to the gym, he's no one's going to pull. Yeah, I always like to tell my patients that listen. You know, if you're if you're uh, if you're in the gym shower with a bunch of guys and somebody looks over at you, uh, uh, buck naked in the shower, it's impossible to tell that somebody has this device. I feel Even, fairly confident that we all have a friend who's got one of these, and we really have no idea. Okay, let's let's talk about the cost of this because, again— well, Let's talk about—can we talk about the cost of treatments in general? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, health care in the United States is kind of funny right now, right? And not in a laughing not way. Not in a laughing way. I think it's really frustrating for a lot of Americans uh, figuring out what parts of health care for them are covered and what parts are not. One thing that is for certain is that for most Americans, regardless of where they get their health insurance, there are oftentimes many exclusions for sexual health care coverage, and that includes the medications. So for most, and, you know, I often get asked the question, you know, why are there these websites where you can buy Viagra and buy Cial and buy all these pills? Well, and why when I get, go to this shot clinic to get injections, why do I have to pay a cash, cash fee? And that's because insurance simply is not covering those treatments. So these are industries that are growing up around self-pay services. And making a lot of money. And they make a lot of money. Uh, because, shoot, we know how important this is. Uh, this is a priority for a lot of Americans, both men and women, that they can engage in natural sexual activity. So most people are willing to, to pay a lot of money. 
And obviously, the insurance industry, there's a lot of different plans. Some cover a little bit, some cover that's right. a lot, some don't cover anything. And that's right. And more and more, I would tell you, as somebody who's practiced in this arena for 15 years, we're seeing more and more healthcare coverage simply say, listen, I'm really sorry you've got erectile dysfunction, but that's on you. We simply aren't going to pay for the treatments for that. What about the penile implant? Well, one of the the major benefits of the penile implant is that first and foremost, it's a one-time treatment. So for even those patients who may not have insurance coverage for the penile implant, it's a one-time cost that doesn't have to be repeated. So while that one-time upfront cost may be a little bit higher than the other treatments, it's a one and done for most. And it works every time. It does work every time. It does work every time. However, in the year 2019, and it's currently the month of November, I'm happy to report that there still are major insurers that do cover the penile implant. And the major one that most people will be familiar with is Medicare. Currently, this is a Medicare benefit. And then there are other major healthcare systems that we know cover this as well. One of them is the Veterans Healthcare Administration provides complete coverage for the penile implant. As, as far as the insurance coverage is concerned, th- there's also a, a copay and a supplemental. There, some people could have supplemental insurance that helps cover offset the cost of right. the copay. You know what I say to all my patients, regardless of who their employer is, who their insurer is, or how old they are. Always remember that your health care insurance is a contract between you and the insurer, and not the doctor per se. So take it upon yourself if you're wondering, does my health care insurance cover the cost of these drugs? Does it cover the cost of surgery? Give your insurance a call and find out. Now, patients who come to see me, we help them, you know, and we have a pretty good sense of what treatments may or may not be covered, and we have a good connection to the most cost-effective treatments. So do your due diligence. For Medicare, though, I can tell you there still is really good coverage, at least for the surgical treatment. But here we're talking 65 and over. That's right. That's right. So if you are under 65, yep. uh, you have to hope that your insurance company has a provision. You have to, or you have to be eligible. There are other eligibility criteria for, for Medicare, and I know that that's not, you know, you probably don't want me to get into that, but there are some people who are Medicare eligible at a younger age because of certain disabilities. And then, like I said, U.S. veterans also have coverage for this. And then some employee-based health insurance does cover it. It's worth checking. It's worth checking. And if, if they were to call your office, for example, can, can your staff help them navigate those waters? Absolutely. We would certainly help get them on the right track. Mm. You know, when you, when you practice in this arena, you know, we really try to help people navigate the waters. Um, we really try to help them at least give them an education on if they're going to call their own insurance, what do they need to talk about? What do they need to ask for? Uh, what are the key questions? Is there also some embarrassment again on in, in that role? I mean, it's, we talked earlier about the embarrassment of going to a doctor, or talking about it, to call an insurance company well, and talk I will, to a woman. And- well, I will tell you that one of the reasons this notion of um, being in familiar in supportive, familiar surroundings is the whole reason we opened the UW Medicine Men's Health Center back in 2013. The idea that we're going to put together a cadre of people that are 
that have information about the specific problems that you face, and they, they face those problems day in, day out. With some work, seeing the right people in the right place, we can get your sex life back. It seems like the penile implant uh, is the best-kept secret in men's sexual health. You don't see advertisement about it. You don't see articles about it. Yet, it's a solution that works. It is a solution that works. I mean, I think one of the reasons you don't see ads about this is that this is an FDA-approved device that you would only find being a treatment in the arsenal of a board-certified urologist and typically somebody with very specific surgical expertise. So uh, we know that these typically are not the kind of things that we advertise. And what I recommend to all my patients is make a plan. You know, not everyone needs every treatment, but make a plan for what you're, what interests you in trying. Make a set a date. Uh, Make a plan for how you're going to get back your sex life or what you want out of your intimacy in three months or six months. That's the best way to to achieve happiness. That wraps up another edition of Men's Health Monthly featuring Dr. Tom Walsh, University of Washington professor, surgeon, and director of the UW Men's Health Center. You can reach out to Dr. Walsh with any questions or comments at 206-598-0937 or email questions to menshealthmonthly at iHeartMedia.com. Men's Health Monthly airs on the last Tuesday of every month at 8 o'clock on Sports Radio 950 KJR and on the last Sunday of every month at 6.30 a.m. on Seattle's classic rock station, KZOK. And until next time, for Dr. Walsh, I'm Neil Scott, wishing you good health and good sense in matters dealing with men's health. Thanks for joining us on Men's Health Monthly. You've been listening to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Associate Professor of Urology at the University of Washington and Director of the UW Men's Health Center, and your host, Neil Scott.